This is the Judge Janine Show. Now, here's Judge Janine Puro. Welcome back to the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation Show. Joining us now is the clinical professor of medicine and a practicing internist at NYU Langone Medical Center. He's also an author and a very familiar face to many of us uh, as a Fox News contributor. Uh, And he is someone that during the pandemic from the start or all the way till today has been tracking the pandemic. Please join me in welcoming Dr. Mark Siegel to the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. Uh, Good morning, Dr. Siegel. Uh, It's a good morning this morning, uh, but I think it's an especially good morning for DeMar Hamlin and his family, given the hellish week that they went through last week. First of all, Judge, it's always a good morning when I'm on with you. I can tell you that. Thank you. (laughs) But I I mean, three words have changed the the, the, uh, trajectory for DeMar Hamlin. Did we win? Did we win? And I'll tell you, I mean... I'll tell you how profound that is. I talked to our head of uh, rehab at NYU, Steve Flanagan, who's an expert on recovering from brain trauma. And brain is where where my mind has been on DeMar Hamlin, because did he get enough oxygen to the brain? But did we win means that he remembers the game, that he literally remembers the game. And of course, he's not going to remember anything after the game. He he had a cardiac arrest and was resuscitated. And those four emergency room physicians from the University of Cincinnati Medical Center that were on the field and we don't know the exact details of how they pounced and when, how much CPR he had but he had that defibrillator used which is the life-saving uh, machine that you put on someone and it senses your rhythm and if your rhythm is off like ventricular fibrillation gives you that shock did we win uh, it's not an entire prognosis here, but he's squeezing hands and he's recognizing people. And this is while while on a ventilator and sedated. Very good neurological uh, uh, prognosis now, it looks like, which is what I was most worried about. Well, I think that, that so many of us were worried about that. You know, the, the idea that he had to be resuscitated, Dr. Uh, Siegel, for something like nine minutes Uh, when he was on the field and then had to be resuscitated again, either on the way to the hospital or in the hospital. I mean, my concerns, and and I'm not a doctor, were the same thing, the oxygen to the brain. Is he going to be okay mentally? But you're right. I mean, he was right. He was still in the game when he woke up, like, did we win? And uh, I I think it was a very, very kind of a sweet response. And when the doctor said something like, you won, you know, for sure he won. I mean, he. By the way, they, they said you won the game of life, which actually is a message to the NFL. It might even be why the NFL then went ahead and canceled the game. I know right. that the players were giving them pressure to do so, but they have to do something for once that's above the business aspect of this. Is you know, and and, and there's been so many players that it, Brian Kilmeade was telling me this. There's so many players that have gotten injured, and the game goes on, and right. this required a pause. I mean, a cardiac arrest the game cannot go on and the nfl granted makes billions of dollars but i think there's a human aspect here right well it's almost like the coliseum i mean obviously the results are not as dire but it is a very it can be a very dangerous game and i think mostly people are concerned about the head injuries and that's why you know the whole thing with the uh, that that they make sure that they have the helmets on. But you know the idea of a uh, uh, of the heart stopping. I mean that is so unusual. Have we seen that before, Doctor Siegel? 
Not in a NFL game and not anything like this. And, and, you know, we've all been talking about something called commotio cortis, which occurs when a blow to the chest occurs at exactly the right moment to cause the heart to stop. But that is exceedingly rare and especially rare over the age of 20. And I think it brings up the question, is the equipment too hard? I mean, the helmets and the shoulder protectors. But we don't know that this is what he had. The one thing we're waiting on from the hospital is what was his underlying heart disease, if right. any. Right. If any, that's the key here. Or but there's also another question, Dr. Siegel, and that is with all of the, you know, like the shoulder pads and they have all these protectors, is his heart protected? Is that part of his chest where his heart is? Is that covered? No, I mean, it's not protected. And that's why, you know, we've seen rarely, occasionally a young kid getting hit with a foul tip or or, or a ball in some kind of a sport like soccer, mostly baseball, actually, uh, can have this happen. But as you get over, over the age of 20, your chest gets stronger and there's more protection naturally. So it's rare. But again, we don't know. You know, did he have a, an underlying heart issue? That That's something we have to hear from the hospital. Right. And and so I suspect that going forward, uh, you know, there will be an issue as to whether they're protected sufficiently or whether they do, you know, sufficient physicals. You know, the question, was there an issue with his heart? You know, Dr. Siegel, there are all kinds of health nucleuses. And, and I've spoken, you know, Dr. Robert Hariri is a friend of mine and they have these yes. heart nucleuses and, you know, they do prognosis of of things that you can't imagine uh that literally identify you as as someone who is possibly prone to whether it's plaque or alzheimer i mean they can predict this stuff and i want to talk about yeah let me talk about this for a minute because i there's a couple of of top electrophysiologists cardiologists that are saying something i don't agree with which is well you can screen and still miss stuff well you can overinterpret what you get all that's true, but good doctors find their way through this. So I think you're hinting at something here that's extremely important. And I know Dr. Harari, thanks to you, and he's a great doctor. I think that uh, in high schools, the time when kids are going out for high school sports to begin to screen them, that doctors should see them, that EKG should be done, that maybe echocardiograms at some point, certainly NFL for sure. There should be major, major screenings going on. Now, there probably are, by the way. That's one of the reasons I'm not that suspicious that he might have a thickened wall of the heart, which is the most common thing, you know, that that he probably doesn't have that because I would expect the NFL to know about that. But screenings, the more, the better. Yes, absolutely. So, Dr. Siegel, do you expect a change in protocol or in testing for at least in the major league football? I think they're going to have to take a close look at this. Again, depending on what happened, what caused it. If this was a one in a million, that couldn't be prevented except by saying maybe the helmets are too hard. We've been talking about that with the NFL for forever. In terms of cardiac screenings, again, I don't know their protocol. If it isn't at the highest level of screenings, they should they should up up their game, so to speak, on this. But having said that, of course, no matter what, no matter what your screening is, you know, you can't anticipate everything. But but clearly, the the onus is on the NFL to make sure that they do tremendous screenings on 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 people that are really dealing with very stressful, physically difficult situations. Yeah, and you know, let, let's talk just for a second in terms of the history of the NFL, the chronic uh, traumatic encephalopathy, the CTE. 
was the brain condition thought to be linked to repeated head injuries and blows to the head uh, that slowly get worse over time and leads to dementia. You know, that took a long time and a lot of fighting, you know, for the NFL to start to recognize that and for the football players to, to know the risks in football. Let's just go right to mom and dad right now. They've got a son who loves high, high school football. Now they've seen DeMar Hamlin. We know about CTE. Talk to me. What do you say to your son if he wants to play football? I'm glad you pivoted to discussion of head injuries because that's even more common. And, you know, we're dealing with that with a quarterback, uh, uh, Tua Tangavaloa right now, repeated head injuries, repeated concussions. They have a protocol in place with the NFL where they sideline people that have repeated blows to the head. But is it sufficient? A lot of times you don't realize this till years later. Harry Carson, the sportscaster, f- former NFL Hall-, Hall of Famer for the New York Giants, adored him growing up. Great role model for this because he he sustained a lot of head injuries. It's a repetitive rep, rep, repetition of blows, repetitive concussions. They accumulate and they decrease your risk long term for what you just called chronic traumatic encephalopathy. You may not know that at the time. Right. So I think that 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 this issue of how do we best protect the head, you know, is the current helmet the right one? Again, they're hard, but but is that does that protect people, or is it what's inside the helmet that protects you the best? How how are you how are you diffusing the blows to the head? We're now going to get rid of football. That contact sport is here to play, here to stay, but we have to really look at the the safety. All right, um, now let's let's talk about pivoting. Let's segue to my least favorite conversation. <laughs> And that is, I'm so tired of it. I'm so tired of the consequences. The new Omicron XTZWABC, whatever it is, well, they say that it's very catchy. Yeah, well, I'm the only one that can talk about COVID without boring everyone to tears and making them say, here we go again. So that's why you have me on, Judge. You know, I have a way to, to talk yeah, about it. So, you make it so, so exciting. Go ahead. <laughs> so this XBB subvariant, good news. It's in the Omicron family. Omicron doesn't get you as sick. Omicron is upper respiratory mainly. We have some immunity to Omicron. Whether you whether you got it previously over the last six months gives you some immunity or whether you had a booster, that gives you some immunity. I want everyone to have some immunity. Then we've got Paxlovid if you get sick, which is a tremendous antiviral drug that, of course, under this administration is scarce. Of course it's scarce, it's isn't scarce? it? It's scarce? Oh, my gosh. Dr. Mark Siegel, it's always great to have you on the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. And thanks for your insight. And you know what? Uh, thank God for DeMar Hamlin and the fact that he, it looks like he's on his way to a complete recovery. Uh, and you know what? God bless all those people who play in the NFL. And let's hope that they all stay safe. Thank you thank so much. You, thank you, Judge. And, oh. and a message to, to DeMar. Did, we, did you win? Yes, you won. You won. Oh, big time. He won big time. Thank you. Thank you. All right. And never forget, everyone, join the Tunnel to Towers Foundation on its mission to, to do good in honor of America's heroes. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? 
Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.